Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Wednesday, February 26th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We have two topics today. The NFL Combine is underway in Indianapolis, and that means Chiefs personnel take the podium for the first time since the Super Bowl celebration. Today, you'll hear from General Manager Brett Veach, who in a press conference setting took questions mostly about the contracts of several players. After a break, I catch up with Royals beat writer Lynn Worthy, who's basking in the sunshine of spring training in Surprise, Arizona, plus he's working hard. We chatted with Lynn after Tuesday's Cactus League game against the Texas Rangers and covered several subjects like the prospects of Greg Holland, Khalil Lee, and Salvador Perez playing first base. But first, here's Veach. You won't easily hear the questions he was asked, but the topics, nearly all of them about contracts, followed in this order. Chris Jones, Patrick Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, and finally the cornerback position. So here we go with Chiefs General Manager, Brett Veach. All right, well, first off, I'd just like to say it's, uh, it's exciting to be back here in Indy for the 2020 Combine, and I want to thank Jeff Foster and his Combine crew for the unbelievable job they do. Every, every year this thing seems to get bigger and bigger, but um, Jeff and his crew make this thing run more efficiently year in and year out, so special thanks to him. I want to thank and congratulate all the employees back at One Hour Head Drive in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, you know, it's hard enough to win games in this league week in and week out and and to think back and on what we accomplished from four straight division titles to an AFC conference championship and then our first Super Bowl win in 50 years is truly a testament to everyone in that in that building Uh, everyone has a part Um, starts with Clark Hunt and the the leadership and the blueprint he provides to Mark Donovan on the business side coach Reed and all of his coaches just done a tremendous job but again everyone in that building had a had a role in this and, and certainly want to thank and congratulate them and lastly, and most importantly for me, it, it's a time for me to acknowledge just the special um, personnel staff I have. I'm truly blessed and fortunate to come to work every day with some of the best scouts in the National Football League. Um, you know, these guys bust their tail, um, you know, every single day of the year, and it, it's truly a process here. I know these guys are excited to get to work because uh, we all know that the foundation for winning a Super Bowl really starts here during the um, during the offseason here at the Combine and, and the draft process and the free agency process. and. You know, last year, it's really a testament to the work they did. We came here last year. We were an offsides away from going to the Super Bowl, and our guys were aggressive throughout every transactional period through the season. Um, and being able to flip basically an entire defensive roster and add 12 new guys and have all these guys come in and contribute, it just shows how talented my staff is and how blessed I am to work with them. So, um, you know, with that, I'll open up and take your questions. Brett, you mentioned the foundation. How important is it for you to get a guy like Chris Jones back in, uh, into the play? Does the franchise tag, does that scenario still remain a possibility? Yeah, listen, it's certainly a priority for us, and I had mentioned that. I mean, sometimes these things take some time to work through. Um, you know, uh, as you mentioned, the franchise tag is something that, that we have the ability to use. We certainly like to see if we can work something out with him, and, and I think the tandem of uh, – Chris Jones and Frank Clark is something that uh, any team would want, and we're going to work hard to see if we can get that done. Clark had mentioned back in December, I think, on the discussions between the Chiefs and Jones' camp are still ongoing. How would you categorize those discussions? Yeah, no, they have been ongoing, and we actually have a meeting scheduled up here in the next couple of days. Um, you know, we had dialogue last offseason. 
Um, we had dialogue prior to the season's uh, starting. Chris did a great job of, of blocking all that um, and just really attacking the season. He handled it like a true pro. Uh, now we have the opportunity, once this uh, cycle comes back around, to uh, pick up where those conversations left off, and hopefully we can make some headway and get something done. Brett, how, meaningful, how meaningful is it that you guys had those discussions in the offseason well, and that you guys are yeah, I think it's it's meaningful. Listen, all dialogue is good dialogue, and I think just being up front where where you know where we are as an organization, and you know what our expectations are in regards to what um, Chris and his camp what their expectations are. Um, you know, the last thing you want is for something to go awry because there just wasn't enough communication. So um, you can't have enough dialogue. And, and like I said, they've been very open and honest with us, and, and we feel we've been. Um, we ha have handled this situation in a very similar fashion. So, um, again, we're looking forward to sitting down uh, with his agents this week and, and continuing uh, to pick up uh, on the on the dialogue and where it left off. In balancing the cap, are you do you think it's feasible to pay a guy like Frank Clark what he's getting paid and pay Chris Jones? So listen. I Again, going back to my personnel staff, I also have a great uh, cap staff, and, and Brant Tillis and Chris Shea do a tremendous job. They're, it's challenging, um, but doesn't mean it's impossible. And, and I think just working through, um, you know, the breakdowns and the dispersals, and, and, and looking forward, a lot of this, you know, we have to wait with the new CBA and see how that looks. But um, it's always a challenge. But um, you know, I think when you have guys as talented as, as Chris and these other players, I mean, it's, you know, you're gonna you're gonna turn over uh, every scenario and, and just see what exactly can be done. So it's a challenge but it's not impossible. This team built to obviously win now coming off the Super Bowl championship. I mean, do you see Chris Jones being in a Chiefs uniform this year, whether that's playing under the tag or getting something long-term? I mean, is it hard to imagine him not being here? I would say that it would be, you know, a priority for us to, to make that happen. And, you know, um, what transpires in the next few weeks or months is to be determined. But our, our certain, certainly our goal and our intent is to keep him in Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, we have uh, a lot of time, and, and that's a good thing uh, in regards to, to Pat. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, I'm, you know, almost certain continue dialogue with him like we've had with Chris and these other guys. And, and um, as we kind of work through the new landscape of the NFL and the new CBA, we'll um, certainly get together and, and hopefully we can get something done. But, I mean, that's uh, another big priority. He's the uh, best football player I've ever seen. Yeah, and the good thing is he still is. So that's a that's a that's a positive thing. Special kid, special player, and, and to have him work with with Coach Reed is has been a blessing for for our organization and, and and the Chiefs Kingdom. So hopefully we have a more a lot more Super Bowls to win with him, and and we're excited to get after the next one. No, no, because, uh, you know, I had said this before, it's, you know, I think when you've been around football your entire life and you've seen, you know, sometimes you take for granted how great these players are that you see. Um, when this kid comes in and, and makes these talented football players look average, you know you're seeing something that the league maybe they're not ready for. So, um, you know, he's just been, from the first day he's been in our building, um, he was different in regards to his whole approach and his talent level, and it was just a matter of, you know, letting him play a full season. So none of that was a surprise to us. And, and again, we look forward to more of these seasons and hopefully more of these championships. One of the things you love about Mahomes is the second reaction ability. Talk about How do you think guys like him have some of that? 
some of these other guys are, are kind of changing the way people are evaluating players. You were ahead of people. Are you noticing that you talk to other evaluators? Yeah, I think just overall, I just think the, the mobility in that position is something that uh, every front office and organization, you know, um, they're, they're striving for. And obviously, Lamar Jackson had a great season in, in, in Baltimore, but um, defenses continue to get more athletic and faster, and you need quarterbacks that can um, make plays um, outside of the pocket and, and, you know, tuck the ball and, and move the chain. So I think anytime, you know, you have a, a prospect that has uh, mobility, and the ability to extend plays is something that is, is going to be attractive to all teams. Brett, Brett. there's a time where uh, tag and trades never happen. It's very rare. You guys obviously pulled one off last year. Now I'm not asking you why you guys made that but in general, how difficult it is to make when you're joking. You know, you need a player's cooperation, you need a care team. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good question, and I think sometimes it just takes a, you know, you're going to have to find, um, you know, and really where a team is, right? Because of, you talk about a, a tag and trade when you're when you're giving up draft commodity and money. I mean, you really have to feel, you know, the, the team has to be a position where it makes sense for them, and then you have to be a position that you feel that this would take you over. You know that hump, and you know. I, again, I go back to um, the work we did in our personnel staff. That you know, we were convinced that you know we were moving to a four-three, and that um, we had to get a four-three end. And it was just taking in all the information you had, where we were picking the draft, and what would be available, and what we needed to make this defense go. Um, so, I think they're hard because you have to find just the exact scenarios that have to play out in that order. And it was a unique set up last year, and we were certainly happy that we were able to get that done. And uh, obviously. Um, winning the Super Bowl, I think, speaks for itself. You were able to get Sammy Watkins up with a $21 cap in this upcoming year. You're big in the playoffs for you guys. Might be tough to fit under the cap. How do you look at this situation? Do you see there any way to stand the game without a big better restructure? Where, where are you with that situation? Yeah, Sammy's a guy that... Um, you know, like like Chris, that we're going to have dialogue with this week, and you know, there's certainly different options and, and different um, scenarios that could play out with him. He's a guy that, that we do want back. Um, uh, again, these are good problems to have because when we win a Super Bowl, you obviously have a lot of good players and they make a lot of money. But um, but you know, Sammy's a guy that, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, he's been critical to our, our playoff success, and and um, you know, just having dialogue again, like we're going to meet with the Cats brothers, we'll meet with Tory Dandy, Sammy's agent. We have good relationships with these guys, and we'll sit down and we'll talk about the landscape of where we are and what would make sense to us and and how we can make this work, and we'll get feedback from them in regards to what they're looking for, and hopefully we can bridge a gap and, and make something happen and and keep as many of these good players on our team as possible. Couple more, everybody. Couple more. Uh, I'm sorry. You have a free agent behind Yeah, no, well, listen, we were, we've been blessed and fortunate to have uh, two two um, veteran guys that just did a, a tremendous job. Chad got hurt, and then Matt came came out of retirement and played really good football for us, and, and that Minnesota game that we won in the middle of the season was, was a big deal. Um, you know, we actually have two meetings scheduled uh, with both the representatives this week as well, and, and, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, you know, I anticipate, um, you know, one of those guys being back, and we'll have to work through the, the dialogue with both their agents and, and see what makes sense for them and us. With Fuller pending free agents, is it safe to say you're meeting with all of yeah, yeah, it's a busy week, you know, but that's what that, that's what makes it fun. And then you you throw in all the the young prospects you get to watch this week, and um, you know we're we're excited about getting after it. And uh, you know it was cool to win a Super Bowl, but 
I mean, we're on already the next season, so we're looking forward to it. With Last question. The, uh, obviously, the answer is going to be the same about them being free agents. But if those guys weren't to be there, you've got Charvarius Ward and Shot Fenton. Where do you feel like with those two young guys you're sitting at cornerback wise, not knowing what's going to happen outside? Well, I think Charvarius Ward and, and you know the things he's able to do over the last two years, I think speaks for itself. I think he's shown that he's a starter in this league, and, and, and Rashad, because of some of the injuries we had this past season, he's a guy that has stepped up and, and played um, an important role in, in our season last year, and we expect more out of him. He has some nickel and some outside versatility. We're excited with both those guys, but we're gonna the volume it will be low if we're not able to retain all these corners. So we'll certainly be um, trying to address that as we move into the offseason here. I think when you talk about starters, you know, we do so much um, Spags does such a great job of, of mixing up what he wants to do day in and day out. And we, and we do so much nickel and dime stuff. Um, to, to say he's a starter, I mean, maybe a different take from somebody else, but just knowing what Steve does and how he implements so many defensive backs, I mean, these guys are going to play 60, 70, 80 percent anyway. So, I mean, those guys are basically starters. Hey, it's Blair. Hey, we have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns we have to offer. And it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. For your convenience, your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50, unless you tell us to cancel. A lot of subscription services won't tell you that. They'll just sneak it on there. We just told you. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Lynn Worthy, Royals beat writer, joins us from Surprise, Arizona. And Lynn, I've got the uh, I've got the long range weather forecast for Surprise called up here, and not a drop of rain in the forecast for it looks like about ten days. And highs in the mid seventies, lows in the mid-40s every night. It just seems like perfect spring training weather for everybody who's playing in Phoenix, but more importantly, for the riders who are in the Phoenix area. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was yesterday or the day before it got into the neighborhood of 60s, you know, low 60s, mid-60s. And I mean, I think I actually had to put on like the pullover on, you know, during the day the other day. So it it was, you know... It was a trying time, but uh, you know we powered through it. And um, but it's good to hear that we'll be seventies and eighties the rest of the way. So, yeah, well, be... this is what spring training should be, and uh, and, I, and I'm glad it's going to work out for you. Let's let's uh, talk about this, some developments involving the Royals here, and since they started playing games here the, over the last several days. Uh, one thing that I found interesting was the. Um, the, the one inning pitched by Greg Holland, uh, I think it was on Monday against the Padres. Holland got a, a one, two, three inning. And I think he, I think he was credited, got the victory in that game. And for Royals fans, they are, they are so familiar with, you know, with Greg Holland, who was over 40 saves a couple of times for the Royals, you know, Left the organization for for several years, but is now back. What's his status? Where where does he stand with this team? What are the chances of him being on the on the roster? 
Well, it's not a given because he, he signed a minor league contract. So even when we talked to him after his outing uh, yesterday, you know, that was one of the things he said is it's a little different this time being at spring training because, you know, his concern, his main focus is making a team. It's not just like you come into spring training and you can have some veteran guys who, you know, your spot's secure. You just work on some things. He's got to actually, you know, prove some things to the, to the coaching staff, the front office, just to make sure he's on this team before you can just say, okay, I don't have to worry about, um, you know, a roster. I can just worry about fine tuning this, working on that, adding this, you know, first, first things first, he's got to make the team. Uh, I think there's a pretty good shot of that considering his track record and his familiarity with the organization and the fact that, you know, he still, he still seems like he can get people out. I mean, it's still spring, it's spring training here, but I think he's still got that good breaking ball, the slide area, the velocity isn't quite what it used to be, but um, he can still, I think, get guys out. And if he can do it consistently enough, um, I think he'll get a shot in this bullpen. I tell you what, for about four or five years, he was about as good as it got in, in baseball. He had uh, 47 and 46 and 32 saves for the Royals in, in three years. That 32 was an abbreviated year in 2015 when he didn't finish the uh, the World Series season because of an injury. Then he's off to Colorado in 2017 after sitting out the 2016 season and leads the, the National League with 41 saves for the Rockies. So, I mean, he in, in his prime, he was about, um, like I said, about as good as it got uh, on, on the Hill. And this is a, you know, the bullpen is a place that's uncertain for the Royals anyway, right? I mean, we, we're looking at Ian Kennedy as the, you know, as the, uh, the, the closer. And there are some, certainly some other roles that we, we think are, you know, for which there are favorites, but there are also some possibilities for a guy like Holland to take a spot. Yeah, I mean, there's probably like I'd say there's maybe three guys that you'd go into that came into camp saying, okay, these guys are probably in that bullpen: um, Kennedy, uh, Barlow, and um, Tim Hill, the left-hander. Those guys, based off of what they've done last year, you figure those guys. If you just start from the starting point, those three probably you factor in. I mean, I guess one of them couldn't, in theory, pitch, them way, pitch their way out of it, but you start with those three. And they'll probably have eight in the bullpen. And um, for those remaining five spots, there's pro- there might be 15 guys who are somewhat in the running for that. And, uh, I mean, that's with, you know, Holland, uh, Trevor Rosenthal is another veteran who's been, right. you know, a closer, all-star caliber, who's, you know, on a minor league deal. And then there's guys that they've had that, you know, that they like and that they want to keep and, you know, and options, the fact that they don't have options plays a factor. So you're, you're talking about a Jorge Lopez who um, actually just pitched, uh, we're talking on Tuesday. So he pitched Tuesday in the Cactus League and, you know, he's now had two scoreless uh, outings of multiple innings um, since they've gotten, you know, the exhibition games rolling. And he'll probably be in that bullpen as sort of a long guy, but a guy who they could also use in shorter stints. Jesse Hahn, who's, you know, who came back last year for the first time since injury and surgery um, with the elbow. He didn't actually have Tommy John. He had another uh, UCL repair surgery, um, and he came back from that late last season. And this year, he's looking to be in the bullpen. Um, He's another guy that, you know, you'd sort of pencil in, but you don't know for sure that that's how it's going to work out. And then uh, Glenn Sparkman's a guy who has been a starter in the past, similar to uh, Jorge Lopez, who most likely would go into the bullpen this year. But I wouldn't be surprised because he does have options if he's one of the guys that goes to Omaha. 
And, you know, they have, they've got, I mean, like I said, there's a bunch of guys. So you got Stephen Woods Jr. is a rule five pick um, that, you know, they'd have to keep him on the roster or send him back to Tampa. And, and guys who've been in the bullpen in the past, like uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan, uh, Kevin McCarthy, excuse me. Um, right. Kevin McCarthy. We're talking about guys like Jake Newberry. Um, guys like, um, I'm blanking on somebody here, but there's That's right. Hey, but, but no, shor- no uh, shortage yeah, of, of candidates and, and arms here to exactly. take a look at. Right. And, and you mentioned Lopez. He, you know, five strikeouts on Tuesday and two and two thirds starting the game uh, against the Texas Rangers. So looked good on Tuesday. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a couple other players quickly here. Khalil Lee. Here's a guy that uh, Kansas City Royals fans have been hearing about for a few years now. And I love the story that you wrote about him and his reaction just to being in the big league clubhouse at spring training, not just on the you know, not just the minor league side, but being able to, um, you know, to, to participate in a, in a major league clubhouse. Hit a home run against the Padres on Monday. What's what's Khalil Lee's story? Well, he's a you know he's a former I want to say second round pick. He's a second or third round pick, but guy they drafted out of high school in Virginia. Um, he's still just now you know 21 years old, but he seems like he's, he's one of those guys who seems like he's been around for you know a long time because you know you heard about him when he got drafted and making his way up through the minors. Um, last year he he was their Double A Player of the Year, stole 53 bases. Um, and it sounds like he's, you know, he's really starting to come into his own a little bit more as a hitter. They feel like he's doing things that he hasn't done before as far as, you know, being able to cover the inside part of the plate, being able to show a little bit more power. I asked him just because I felt like he looked a little bit bigger. He says he's up to about 222 pounds, and he was probably um, between 210 to uh, 15 or so uh, last year. Um, so, I mean, you think that's a kid who, when they drafted out of high school was 170 pounds. So, um, still runs, like I said, 53 still last year. And this is his first time actually being in big league camp. He's a guy who people have seen in a uh, big league spring training game, but he was always on the minor league side. So that's one of the things I talked to him about because one day I'm walking around while they're doing the workout and I see, you know, George Brett just say, Hey, Khalil, and starts, you know, just ask him stuff. They're just having a little chat by the batting cage. And so I asked him about that because I'm like, you know, for a guy who's still really young, for George Brett to be asking you about what you're looking for and what's your approach at the plate, um, that's, you know, that could easily be some pretty heady stuff. So, right. um, you know, his first big league camp is de- it's definitely significant, even though he's been in some games. First time in camp is definitely significant for him. And he's, he said flat out, you know, I mean, he's a guy who's not on the 40 man right now, but he wants to make that impression in camp, let the coaches see what he can do and, you know, know how he works. So that if during the season, they're looking for somebody to bring up. He wants them to have his name at the top of their list. Okay. We've talked a little pitching. We've talked a little offense. The defense uh, will wrap it up for us. How about Salvador Perez getting a little bit of time at first base? Uh, how much, how much of that can we expect to see this season? Well, I think we might see a little bit more of it during the the spring training, just because they they haven't uh, decided to let him catch yet. Mike McKinney said he will catch this spring. They just um, they haven't done it yet. Um, he played DH and then he first base the other day. He he doesn't have any restrictions. The only thing they're sort of um, trying to hold back on is his, is his volume at this point. Just not letting him do a lot of stuff necessarily back to back days. Coming off of Tommy John surgery last year. Um, he's got his one-year appointment. I think it's the first week or so of March. 
And after that, um, it seems like it should be full go, no restrictions, just all out getting ready for the season. Um, but he hasn't caught in the game yet. Um, so he did play first base. And it was interesting that the, one of the first couple of days that pitchers and catchers were here, uh, he was asked about first base because that had been, you know, something that was talked about in the offseason, I think, by both Dayton Moore, general manager, and Mike Matheny, the manager, that they might have to get him some more days at first, DH, and, you know, just sort of ease him back into the everyday catching. And so when it was brought up, <laughs> Salvi said, no, 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 I'm not – he said, my position is catcher. I'm not first base. <laughs> he said, my position is catcher. He said, I prepare to catch 162 games. He said, you know, uh, less than that is, you know, you know, okay. He, it'd be easy because you prepare for 162. He said, if more than that, then we make the playoffs. So it's great. So he said, that's the way he he, pre- he approaches it. He said, so this this stuff about first base, he's like, I, I'm, I don't want to hear that. So um, I think – you know, that may just have been the, you know, he's coming back from injury. Maybe people think he has lost a little bit. You see these young guys in, in camp and just making sure the message is still clear. He's the catcher. And besides, there are a couple of candidates for first base. When I look around the diamond, I see that as the one position where just not 100%, you know, less than 100% sure who the, who the starter is going to be. I know uh, Ryan McBroom had a home run on on Tuesday and, um, and, and, uh, O'Hearn is, uh, still the guy that I suppose everybody looks at. So it just seems like if, if I got that right, the first base is still the, you know, sort of the position of a little bit of uncertainty of who's going to, you know, who's going to end up with the most at bats, most innings at that position. Definitely. Definitely. Cause we, you know, O'Hearn who, um, I think he had a home run. I want to say it was maybe might've been the opener for Cactus League. It was, he has one the other day and they they've expressed a lot of confidence in him and what he's done through his career in the minors. And they feel like last year he had a combination of bad luck and just sort of, um, you know, uh, things piling on top of each other when he didn't have success and then, um, just sort of, you know, uh, snowballed on him. And then McBroom, who they didn't even acquire until the very end of August last year, and he came up and was in the big leagues in September with an organization he'd been with for like five minutes. <laughs> and he still, he swung the bat pretty good. He just didn't, the thing you didn't see was the power because he had hit 26 home runs in AAA, and that's that wasn't the Pacific Coast League. That was on the, the East Coast in the International League. So um, there's, you know, real power there. As a matter of fact, one of the, I think it was two or three games before he got acquired by the, the Royals, uh, he played against Pawtucket, which had Matheny's son on it. So Matheny was there and saw him hit two home runs in the game on a day when the ball wasn't carrying. So they, they know he's got power. He just hadn't shown it. And then, so a day like today when the wind's blowing in and he hits a bomb to left, um, that's what they were, you know, they were waiting to see from him. Uh, and there's even a little talk that, you know, like depending on how flexible they have this roster, a guy like Hunter Dozier, who's going to be playing outfield, could be a guy who gets some time at first base or is a, you know, late inning first guy who gets shifted to first base when they try and move some guys into the outfield. So uh, first base still remain, remains a, uh, a little bit of a question mark on how exactly that's going to play out. Very good. Okay, Lynn Worthy, thanks for the catch-up, and we will talk to you again soon. No problem. I'll enjoy the sun. That'll do it for today. Thanks to producers Randy Mason, Savannah Smith, Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, and Chris Fickett for putting together today's show. Hey, where you can leave a comment and give a rating, please do. And we'll be back on Thursday with another Sports Beat KC where we talk sports in Kansas City every day.